let's talk about Aquaman, shall we? All right, so this one was directed by James Wan, written by David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick. That's a hell of a name. Will Beale, Jeff Johns, and James Wan again. The cast is, of course, Jason Momoa, Amber Heard, Patrick Wilson, Willem Dafoe, Tamura Morrison, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, and Nicole Kidman. So my swift shot is, other than some terrible music and really dumb lines for Arthur Curry, Aquaman is a decent film for the DC franchise. The visual effects were stunning and spectacular, and while much of the film is CGI, unlike Green Lantern or other DC movies, I never got the feeling I was watching something cartoonish and unreal. The story was compelling and entertaining, even if the acting was not super. Oh, and Jesus Christ, can we stop smoldering in these movies, please, DC? You showcased Margot Robbie's ass so much in Suicide Squad, I actually grew tired of it. How many times can you just show Momoa looking hot and call that a movie moment, anyway? Arthur Curry narrates the tale of how his mother and father met. The moment the sea delivered Queen Atlanta, Kidman, to his father... Morrison, a lighthouse keeper in Amnesty Bay, Maine, way back in 1985. I was chuckling that he should have just left her there to rot, unless he wanted to be accused of me-tooing her. But he does bring her inside, and of course they fall in love and bang out little Arthur Treacher, or Curry. Problem is, the queen actually fled an arranged marriage, and the king is pissed, so he sends a squadron of Atlantean soldiers to bring her back to face justice. Realizing she is putting her son in danger, she decides to return and accept her fate. We get a brief origin story that everyone saw in the trailers, where young Arthur is at an aquarium and discovers, or reveals, that he can speak to the fish. For years, this has been a running joke that Aquaman's only power is he can get a fish to do his taxes or some shit. And for some reason, my only underoos as a kid were Aquaman, a fact I've tried to hide for decades. Because the torment I would have received if that news got out would have made life at Bennett Elementary a perpetual melee. Running through the halls. Dodging fists. Anyway, when we finally see Aquaman all grown up and when he makes his grand entrance, oh boy, I need to find those old underoos. I'm sure they still fit. But prepare yourself for about five smoldering shots. Maybe smoldering is a new power for Aquaman as much as he does it in this movie. The superheroics start under the high seas where a techno-pirate ruthlessly slaughters much of the crew of a Russian sub. But not today, a vasty pirates, because Aquaman is somehow in the right place to thwart them. Come to think of it, how the hell did he know to be there? It's never really explained. Of course, he beats the living snot out of the pirates, not engaging in anything overtly lethal as he easily accepts their lead volleys as he smolders on with his smolderingly smolderness. But, in the process of dealing with the rescue of the crew, Arthur creates a mortal enemy. Granted, the guy was already a giant prick of a human, thanks to his father. Yes, I'm speaking about Manta, Abdul-Mateen. Swift aside... Here's where things get a little fuzzy for me, because I don't recall Mara and Arthur meeting in a prior film. I guess they did in Justice League, but I pretty much wiped that film from my memory. It wasn't that I hated it, it just wasn't very remarkable. Princess Mara, played by Amber Heard, just pops up out of the water like a whack a manatee and tells Arthur that war is coming, as his half-brother Orm, played by Wilson, is ready to teach the surface dwellers a lesson about destroying the oceans. Arthur is like, oh well, that isn't my problem. Uh, yeah, almost immediately after that, it becomes his problem, as Orm sends up a giant shitstorm tsunami that ravages many of the world's coasts and sends up all the pollution and moral refuse out to the sea and back up to the land. And unlike in many of these films where cities are ravaged, Fort Lauderdale uh, is hit too. Uh-oh, not safe this time. So far, Orm can't actively attack the surface, but he's working on gathering up a coalition to do just that. 
with the help of a false flag orchestrated by Manta and another king, Narius, played better than I was expecting by Dolph Lundgren, Orm needs to bring some of the other kingdoms of Atlantis to heal, and he will earn the title of, wait for this stupidity, Ocean Master. People couldn't help but laugh at that one. DC just sucks at names and titles, with a few exceptions. Uh, you, even Green Arrow is kind of dumb. When you think about it, he wears green and shoots arrows. Okay, he's Green Arrow. Don't get me started on Green Lantern. So yeah, Ocean Master. Sounds like some below-deck title that even Captain Lee wouldn't run against the tide to earn. Oddly enough, I was almost ready to write this movie off as just another dumb DC mess. But it's here that I actually started really getting into the story, because Orm is a sympathetic villain. Yes, he's ambitious for power, but he also wants to teach us surface dwellers a lesson about taking care of the planet. And honestly, if there were Atlanteans, they would have already made themselves known and spanked us a few times for some of the shit we do to the oceans. Let's be real. I'm not a tree hugger or anything, but when I see someone litter, it enrages me. I'd have no problem with some of these jerks having to wade through some of the trash they dump into the deep blue on the daily. And when you find out why Orm has a serious problem with his older half-brother, it's hard not to see why he is like he is. While Arthur blames Atlantis for killing their mother, Orm blames Arthur. He's the sin seed that sealed her fate. So once Arthur realizes there's a direct threat to his home personally, then he agrees to go on a quest with Mera to find the lost trident of Atlan, the last great king of the unified nations of Atlantis. And that's when the movie really picks up and gets freaking good. Let's not worry about Arthur being selfish, as he needs room to develop as a character. That's what impressed me the most about these guys. One brother wants nothing to do with the throne. The other is convinced he does, and it really boils down to trusting in someone you have no reason to trust. That's how peacemaking works. It isn't easy, and Arthur spends the rest of the movie figuring that out. That sometimes you have to make peace at the end of a giant supernatural fork. So Mera and Arthur travel to all the different hidden kingdoms of Atlantis trying to find the trident, and apparently Momoa thought a few of the scenes were reminiscent of Romancing the Stone. If that's what they were going for, I'd say not quite, but I can see the comparisons when they start their globe trotting. The Sicily scene is especially well shot, if not for that terrible music. I mean, why can't Aquaman have better music? And on to the music, there's this kind of theme that Arthur has throughout the film that sounds like Dum, dum, dum. You know, the sound where something climactic is about to happen. But yeah, nothing happens. It's just his dum, dum, dum smoldering theme. Thank God the story was brilliant and engaging because the acting, with the exception of Ubermensch Willem Dafoe as Volko and Patrick Wilson as Orm, was mediocre. For an action movie, though, I wasn't expecting much. Where this film stands out is easily the visual effects. When you learn all the work that went into making these underwater space sequences and the moments where you sift from CGI to just the human eye and practical effects, you really have to marvel, ha ha, at how the Academy can justify passing on this film. Again, I ask, are they relevant anymore? Who was the last person you saw an Academy Award-winning film with? Be honest. Now, who was the last person you saw an incredibly well-executed visual effects action film with? Know why? Because the Academy is dumb, dumb, dumb. In the end... There are some fantastic movie moments that you'll be talking about for years to come. And while I saw a certain twist coming from a nautical mile away, you may not. Ultimately, seeing how Arthur develops from a man who has struggled with losing his mother and has to accept his fate that he really wanted no part of is what makes this DC film a must-see for people that love going to the movies. This is one of those films that delivers on almost all the aspects of terrific filmmaking. Music was terrible. Some of the acting and dialogue was unforgivable. But in the end, you will be entertained. So if you like this review or you like anything we do over at filmgrouch.com, make sure you go ahead and comment. Uh, we have a really cool comment system with Discuss where you can actually use images and GIFs and GIFs and whatever the hell you want to call them. So go to the review, comment, let me know what you thought, let me know what you thought of the movie, 
And uh, just generally follow me over on Twitter at FilmGrouch. And check out again filmgrouch.com for all our wonderful reviews.